Welcome to another edition of Conversations with Creative Women. I'm Sandy Klein. Kate Wolf's schedule is a pretty packed one. A stand-up comic, she performs almost every night at clubs in Manhattan. She's a regular at New York Comedy Club, Broadway Comedy Club, Stand Up New York, and Greenwich Comedy Club. She's also performed at the Boston Comedy and Laughing Skull Festivals. Kate's been on True TV's hit series World's Dumbest, Red Eye on Fox, and Nickelodeon's Nick Mom's Night Out. Her career didn't begin in front of a mic, but she did have an audience of sorts. Kate was an art teacher, but quit her job, which she says she hated, to follow her dream of becoming a comedian. That was no easy task. Two years into her marriage, which she characterizes as rocky from the start, Kate decided to walk, a tough decision because she and her husband had a young son, and life as a single mom, as we all know, is not a walk in the park. But grit, determination, and drive to follow her dream propelled Kate to where she is today. And for the next 30 minutes, she's here with us now. So, Kate, welcome, and thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. That was amazing. Why? I just took it from you. (laughs) So... I'm thinking ballsy broad is certainly one way to characterize you. Am I right? I'm definitely very ballsy, and it's gotten me into trouble accidentally Mm -hmm. pretty much throughout my whole life. But definitely as I heal and become more me, I see that I accidentally cause trouble when I don't even mean to, just by being myself. But I wasn't talking about it in that sense. I was saying ballsy as in self-confident and risk-taking. Well, I think the two were linked for me because ever since I was young, I made a decision that I was going to really follow my soul or my heart. And I... I have always stuck with that, even if it's hard. Mm-hmm. So Even if you weren't sure what the right thing was? If I'm not sure, then I try to sit with it. I used to get more advice when I wasn't sure. Mm-hmm. And now I, I have a tendency to not go to others as much and try to listen to what I want to do. But even if I wasn't sure, I never pushed it down and away. Mm-hmm. I always let it continue to go on inside me until I did know what to do. I always promised myself I wouldn't settle for anything in life. Well, first of all, were you always funny? I was always funny. I was class clown Mm -hmm. in high school. That seems to be an important factor in the lives of the women who I've interviewed. Really? Who are comics. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, I was class clown, but I just thought, oh, I'm going to be an art teacher. And I think I chose that profession because— Growing up, ever since I was young, I just fantasized about this perfect family that was going to fix all the problems and the wounds I had, even as a young girl, because I had a rocky childhood. Why? So my parents got separated and divorced when I was six, and it was really unsettling. You an only child? No. Thank God I had my brother, Mm -hmm. who's my best friend. It was just, I didn't really have a home, even on, like, I was going back and forth, but it just never felt safe. And I was always fantasizing one day I'm going to have my own family and that's the only thing that really got me through Mm -hmm. was this fantasy but then it led to really obsessive behavior with dating Um, I date these guys that weren't that great to me and I would just be like no come back and then finally I actually met a guy in college who was lovely and we were together for five years but when we got engaged I started having really insane panic attacks And it was really confusing. So that's one of those time periods where I didn't know what decision to make. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And I had to go on medication for a little bit because they got so bad until finally I really realized I love him, but I'm not in love anymore. And, you know, I was 24. So I was like, I I can't make this. I can't marry someone that those feelings are already gone. So it was really difficult. I called off the wedding and then basically ran into the arms of my ex-husband um, I met him on a dating website, and mm-hmm. we just immediately—I got pregnant after dating him for five months. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's my son. 
So it was it was a pretty intense period. So yes, in a way, I had kind of settled because I was teaching art. I was in a relationship that wasn't super exciting um, but it was or passionate. Steady. It was very steady. And yeah. it's something I think I needed mm-hmm. for a time period in my life. It was the most steady time I've ever had. And then suddenly it was like, no, this isn't you either. But what's interesting about that is what you've just recounted, none of which sounds very funny. I think when you're a comic or you're just a funny person and you cope with tough situations with humor, Mm -hmm. but I don't think I even knew when I was in it what exactly was happening. Like Mm -hmm. now I can almost look back and make more jokes Mm -hmm. about that whole time period. But You could mine that for material? I don't take too much from my Joe relationship. That's the guy I was with for five years because he was such a kind, sweet, amazing person. It's more my my marriage that dissolved um, that I can find some humor in. But even there, I'm very careful about what I share because of my son. For the biggest thing, it's his father, and I don't want a bad mouth, Mm -hmm. you know, for my son's sake and for my ex-husband's sake. You know, I still care about him, and I don't get anything out of dragging him into the dirt. So So take us on your life journey. You obviously were interested in art. Were you an artist? I was an artist. Well, that's impressive. I love art, and I still consider myself an artist. It's just a lot of that creative energy is getting funneled into comedy Mm -hmm. and to other work because I'm also really spiritual now, which happened. We'll we'll get into that. That was another crazy, unexpected thing that happened. But yeah, I was always an artist, and I loved it. That's where I got lost as a child in Ah, a good way, where uh I could escape. Transcend, huh? Yes. Mm -hmm. So I just figured, oh, I'll be an art teacher when I grow up because— I love art. I love sure. kids. It's a very noble profession. And I thought, oh, it's going to be a perfect job to have this family I always wanted. You know, that mm-hmm. way I can be home on time for my kids. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I kind of planned it around this perfect family, stable life that I wanted that to have. That you created in your head. Yes. Mm, because you had no basis. Ex- of com- well, you did have a basis of comparison, but you had no background. Yes. I just figured this is going to be the thing that fixes me. Mm-hmm. And then, so then I'm teaching and I'm, I'm married mm-hmm. and the the marriage wasn't, very stable. Was he unhappy also? Yes and no. Uh, I think it's tougher because I think he was unhappy, but I don't think he experienced it in the same way I did. Mm -hmm. I don't think his soul was screaming necessarily in the same way that mine was, although maybe it was. So you're in this relationship, you're married, you're an art teacher, and what happened to you? When was that aha moment when I got to go? So we fought all the time. And one of the last fights we had, it was just really bad. I'm a very sensitive, intuitive person. And I was kind of watching myself outside of myself. I was watching the fight as if I'd floated outside my body. And I said, this is not your life, Kate. I'd been trying to leave a lot through the marriage. And then like I'd leave and then I'd come back. And I just hit a point finally where I said, this has to end now. Mm -hmm. And it was really hard. And I left. And immediately we said, we'll do joint custody 50-50. My son was two. I left and my body broke down. I couldn't really eat. The stress of everything, he was making me feel like I was going to ruin our son's life by leaving, um, that it was an immature decision. I wasn't being responsible. And even though I didn't feel that was necessarily true, it was still circulating in my head. I ended up in the hospital about a week later after I left because I was basically going into full-on it's, it wasn't. It was like more than a panic attack because it was a panic attack mixed with my body actually breaking down. Wow. So um, I went to the hospital and they admitted me um, for three days. There was a crazy moment where the, the nurse walked into the room for the first time and she was bringing like some soup. And I said to her, I was like, I can't eat. I can't get anything down. And she just looked at me and she said, you're the only one who can do this for you. No one else can do this. Hmm. And I knew what she was saying. Like, no one, you have to be the one to take the first step. It was rough. 
You know, it's funny that I'm going to say now, if you're just joining us, my guest today is comedian. (laughs) (laughs) Kate Wolf. So why don't we try and... Move into the humorous. I mean, <laughs> no, but I, mean, I was about I, to go darker. No. <laughs> no, there's certainly this foundation here. Although, like I asked earlier, how do you mine that for humor? Yeah. I mean, because there's nothing funny about being in the hospital when you're just so miserable and you're yeah. at rock bottom. I don't know if I mind that exact experience. I think I do in a more energetic way where hitting your bottom and coming up and rising up out of that to me is what even allowed me to become a comedian because I had been a teacher Mm -hmm. and it didn't even cross my mind at that time to do comedy. I was dating this one guy whose brother was a comedian and we went to his show and we were all hanging out and here. Okay. So here is the humor. I was making jokes about all the prescription meds I was on in the car. Mm -hmm. So I was like, Oh, should I do my like half a milligram of Klonopin or should I do my Celexa? Like, so I was being funny about the meds and we were all laughing And uh, his brother, Alex, he's the comedian, was like, you need to go into comedy. And I was like, you need to shut up. I was like, I will pass out and vomit if I get on a stage. And he's like, I'm telling you, it's what you're supposed to do. You know, I I try to push it away, but it just sunk in. I don't know that I would have bought it for me if somebody was saying that to me. So So I was riffing and I was funny in the car. What does that mean? I had gotten that three times that month from different people. Mm -hmm. So I think it was the combination of these three people mm-hmm. saying it around the same time that I was like... Independent of each other. Yeah, I was like, you know, I should think about this if people are saying it. And finally, I made the decision. I said, I'm going to do this. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm going to do this. Yes, but I said in the introduction that you hated your job as a teacher to follow your dream of becoming a comedian. Where did that dream come I from? I didn't even realize I hated teaching until I became a comedian. It's like I didn't even realize how deadened I had been in that job until something with life came around. Like, I knew I wasn't ecstatic about it, but I think you get this mindset where it's just a job. We all have to go to a job that we don't really love. It's not that bad. I teach art to kids. So I wasn't miserable until I started something I loved. When you're talking about something in the arts like this, Mm -hmm. you know, a burning desire to write a book or Uh to act this part, comedy falls into that category. Oh, absolutely. This drive, this need, I can't help myself. I must do it. Whether you're funny or not is not the point. And it sounds me like that was not nurtured in you growing Growing up. up, No. Teaching is such a different way of quote unquote performing, you know, and it it became so pups. I'm not a fan of the public school system. So just being in the school system, I think was already stifling in general. I couldn't really be my free. I'm a weirdo. Mm -hmm. Like I say whatever is on my mind. I wasn't inappropriate with the kids, but I understand. But I would tell them the truth about things. You know, like if I taught about Leonardo da Vinci, I would go into that. He was a a gay man Mm -hmm. and how he was tried for heresy because of his sexual um, orientation. And other teachers would be like, you're not supposed to say things like that. I'm like, yes, I am. Mm -hmm. Because these kids are starting to feel into their own sexuality and they need to know it's okay, that it's a spectrum. That's an important ingredient in doing what you do now in comedy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. There are links to the art teacher world and comedy for sure. It's just that, you know, teaching art, it really wasn't, like you would say, that fire of passion 
right. was never really there. What I'm saying more is that standing up in front of people and telling jokes or sharing experiences is not quite the same thing yeah. as teaching art. How did you go from that? To, even, just, even though three people I told just, you you were funny and you should get on the stage. I mean, seriously? I that's think enough it, to propel you? It vibrated. There was something in those words that they said to me that just resonated as okay. true. And okay. that's what it was. It, it, they said it, and then there's deep part of my soul was just like, yes. And once I said yes back to it, it was on. Okay. So what'd you do and how'd you do it? I signed up for a mic and I told myself I had a month to get ready. What does that mean, signed up for a mic? So they have all these different mics in the city, comedy mics, Uh where you sign up, you pay like $5 and you get, you get five minutes where you practice your jokes in front of mostly other comics. Mm -hmm. I brought about 20 people, 20 friends of mine came, and it Mm -hmm. ended up being like a show Mm -hmm. um, to come support me. But you have ringers in the audience. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. So it was like half comics, um, half an audience. Mm And I practiced over and over. I would film myself on my computer, Mm -hmm. which is very nerdy. Not a lot of comics do that, but I wanted to be prepared. And I was, but I don't think I breathed. Like, I didn't take one breath of air. I just went. So you did this solo, and I, I literally and figuratively, you didn't take a class or a no. course. You just went out there naked, huh? Yeah, I just jumped in, well. which is kind of how I roll in mm-hmm. general. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people don't like that that's the way I do things. Well, whatever. But if it I works just, for you, what do you care what they think? It's for me, the way I learn is not necessarily being in the classroom. Sometimes it can work that way, but I like just doing it. So what was that like, that first mic sign up? I was funny, but I wasn't, you know, now I watch it and I cringe. Sure. um, Because I I wasn't in the moment. I forgot to breathe. I didn't pause Mm -hmm. to actually take in laughter. like a a freight train rumbling. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So um, I was nervous as hell, but when I got off the stage, I knew. I was like, this is it. You felt you nailed it, even though you didn't, kind of. Yeah, at the Mm -hmm. time I had nailed it for what, there was no way really to be any better than I was for the first time going on stage. And that that first five minutes was incredibly well rehearsed. It wasn't anything ad lib, was it? Oh, no. I No. Even the, the ad lib parts were fake ad, ad lib. Mm-hmm. Like, I knew the crowd work I was going to say. I mean, even to hold a mic and walk around the stage. It, oh, I didn't walk around at all. You know what I mean? Like, I stood there. You were nailed there. to the floor. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I was nailed to the floor. Mm-hmm. So, but I knew there was just something that said, oh, yeah, this is for me. Mm-hmm. And now what's funny is... You know, I'm still obviously a comedian, but now it's infused because I've gotten spiritual through this whole thing as well. You know, I'm doing a show called Unicorn Tits coming up where we do tarot and astrology mixed in with comedy. Mm -hmm. So now my comedian thing is being integrated with the spiritual healer thing. So now it's becoming a whole new thing, almost Mm -hmm. more multifaceted than comedian, which Mm -hmm. I never saw coming either. So, So you're open. And you're, yeah. there's not a rigidity. So talk about those experiences. How old were you and how long ago were these mics? So it was six years ago, mm-hmm. um, or I guess five and a half, six. So I guess I was 29 mm-hmm. when I started, which is pretty pretty late for comedy, considering. Some people do start later. But yeah, so I was 29, and I just started going to mics with my friend Alex, the one who told me to do it. Mm-hmm. We'd go about once or twice a week, and mics can be brutal. You've got a lot of these like white dudes Rolling their eyes. Uh, well, no, it's they go on stage and they have a lot of these like hacky, racist, oh, misogynistic mm-hmm. jokes. Mm-hmm. 
And it's just, the energy can be really draining, but I was there with such a good friend and we would laugh at them. Like, not like meanly. No, I understand. But we'd be in the back and we'd be, it made it. um, Eye rolling. Yeah, yeah. It made it okay. You could get through it. How many women were there? I would say if there are 20 men, you'd have about five or six women. Okay. So it wasn't terrible, Mm -hmm. but definitely it's it's male dominated. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it just, and then it just slowly picked up. Alex and I started our own bar show that we'd get a lot of friends to come about once a month and then we would trade spots for other shows. And it just started to slowly build. Were you combining this with your day job? or you, Yes. So you were doing both? I was teaching and then doing shows at night and it was exhausting me. So at what point did you give up the teaching because you knew that you could support yourself? I still don't know if I can support myself. No, um, <laughs> We'll be taking donations at the <laughs> yeah, end exactly. of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were two other art teachers in my school who hated me. It's that thing we were talking about in the beginning. There's something about me that with some people, they're just like, get her out of here, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so when I started comedy, they already didn't like me, but this was just another reason, you know, why they thought I shouldn't, I wasn't um, a suitable teacher. Mm-hmm. And they just, they created a fake YouTube channel. They had collected videos of mine for two years. So if someone took a clip of my set and posted it, I would often say, hey, you have to take that down. I'm a teacher. You can't leave that. They would search every day, and they saved up all these videos. Isn't that unbelievable? Well, it's like, dude, go actually have sex with your wife. Like, stop putting your energy into me. these are both men? No, one was a guy, one was a girl. Okay. So, but I think the guy was the one in charge of storing. Instigating it. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, they're both. Whatever. So they put up this YouTube channel called Miss Wolf's Pack because they wanted it to be Miss Wolf. So it looks so it's the teacher. Mm -hmm. And then they put up all these videos so someone could just go right to that and see these things. And I knew it was them. I just knew it was. And they were contacting the superintendent in the guise of being a parent saying, you know, we're upset. But I had tenure. Was your comedy, quote, inappropriate? Some of it is. Mm -hmm. But the, the inappropriate stuff was never... Well, it's put like online. Geared. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, it, they had some clips, but they weren't supposed to be up. They mm-hmm. had just been like trolling me. So some of my, well, now, yeah, a lot of my comedy is inappropriate, definitely for children. Mm-hmm. But it became this thing in the school. And a part of me was like, oh, I'm going to fight this. I'm going to go on The View. <laughs> you know, like I'm going to use this. Mm-hmm. And then this other part of me said, don't fight for something you don't want. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe there's a reason why this is happening and it's time to leave and really go for it. And I did. I just, I quit. I, one day I walked in, I didn't even know I was going to be quitting that day. And I ran into the principal and my superintendent who was not normally in the building. And I said, you know what, can we, can we go in there in the office? And I just, I quit. Even before the school year ended. Oh, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I literally quit a month into the school year. Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And I guess that was about three and a half, four years ago. So to, to devote yourself full time yeah. to comedy. Again, if you're just joining us, my guest today is comic Kate Wolf. So talk about your comedy and talk about the means to the end to performing almost every night. What's your shtick? You know, when I first started comedy, I think it was just to get up there and make people laugh and express myself. Mm-hmm. And it's still very much an art form to me. It's Are expressing. you your own target in your comedy? I started off more self-deprecating. Yeah. And now, I because I've become so spiritual and sensitive, if I say something really self-deprecating, I hate it. My body goes, no, 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 don't put yourself down. Don't call yourself an idiot mm-hmm. or a bad mom because mm-hmm. you're not. Mm-hmm. So I can fr- I, I do it in a way where I can make fun of myself, but in a very loving way. Can you give us an example? Um, so I'm trying to think of an, an appropriate. Well, it's not necessarily anything. No. Okay. Well, like, so I'm very open about sexuality and stuff like that. So I, <laughs> this is a lot. This is going to be a lot for you. Um 
I recently have a bit about masturbation. Mm-hmm. And so I thought that this month, I thought I had bed bugs and I threw out everything. And then it turned out to be spider beetles, which is still disgusting. But not as bad. But I didn't have to throw out two mattresses, uh, okay. couches, you know, mm-hmm. everything. So now I'm like, still, I'm currently in my house with very little furniture, <laughs> you know, but I'm slowly accumulating. But I used to masturbate by humping a couch. Mm-hmm. Oh, and so that's the couch not, is gone. Not, not, it's not an option anymore. So what I decided to do <laughs> was crumple up a sweatshirt and go into my bathroom mm-hmm. and use the corner to like hump it. The corner of the sink? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as I'm doing it, the mirror's right there. Mm-hmm. And I start staring myself deeply in the eyes. And I'm like, this is the most intimate experience I've ever had in my life. <laughs> so like I do... I joke about that where I'm like, I'm looking into my eyes and I'm like, I love you, Kate Wolf, you know, like, (laughs) but I saw my own darkness and my, like all parts of myself came up and I was like, you're amazing. And I'm like, no, you're amazing. So that kind of thing Mm -hmm. where I'm Mm kind of making fun of myself, but I also don't think I'm really making fun of myself because I'm actually telling everyone in the audience, I'm like, you need to go home. And jerk off in the mirror and you tell gotta them, find a corner. I'm like, sink. you're gonna know if you're good with yourself or mm-hmm. not. You know? Because <laughs> mm-hmm. if you can't look yourself in the eyes when you're coming, you gotta go to therapy. Take my advice. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So that would be an example mm-hmm. of how I you know, I can make fun of me and I can take my experiences, mm-hmm. but in a way I'm also celebrating it. Like be your weird self. I feel like that's my biggest message now is just go for it. Yeah, break free. Mm-hmm. We're all we forget that we're animals. I think that's the big dilemma with humans. We're animals and enlightened beings, but mm-hmm. we forget that we're both. We just think we're human and we take out the animalistic side and this enlightened being side where we have these crazy animalistic desires and thoughts and feelings. Like if one of my friends tries to take one of my nachos when I'm eating, I'll almost bite her hand off, mm-hmm. you know, and I'll, I'll feel embarrassed. I'm like, no, if you go and grab something out of a dog's mouth when it's eating, mm-hmm. its instinct is to is be like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> So we have these weird things, whether it's sexual desires or just animalistic, whatever. And I've gotten to a point in my comedy where I'm trying to say to people, whatever your thing is, let it be. Like, that doesn't mean if you have murderous thoughts that you act on them. But stop running from them. Stop being so ashamed of whatever is in you. So it's an acknowledgement of sorts? Yes. You have to acknowledge all parts of yourself. It's the people who are ashamed and feel guilt for even thinking those thoughts. They push them down. Mm -hmm. And then it, you know— like just pops out, it bursts in some way or another. So how do you live your life? Are you looking at life differently than I do you know, in terms of what it is that you can mine for your act? Absolutely. Once you become a comic, your brain changes. Mm-hmm. You're looking like something will happen. Like I could have a funny moment with you. We'd be eating lunch. I'd be like, oh my God, I have to take out my phone and write that down. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I'm constantly now tuned to find the funny in certain situations. And it's natural as opposed to contrived. Now, I think when it first, when I first became a comic, it probably was less natural. And now it's just, oh, that was funny. I need to talk about that. Was it hard for you to get an agent? Were there people who believed in you? Yeah, no. Most of it is pretty much walking the road alone. I do have a manager and an agent. They're both great. And both kind of came naturally. Mm -hmm. I've had other managers before as well. You know, when you're a comic, everyone's like, I need a manager. I need an agent. And to be honest, they're great, but it still is on you, especially when it's comedy. You're the one developing your act. You're the one creating these projects. They can help push it out to Mm -hmm. a degree. Mm -hmm. But I think the truth of it is I have them and it's still mostly on me 
to push myself and to go for it, which in a way is a good thing, I think. You performed at all these comedy clubs, so your reputation precedes you, I gather, right? You don't have to pound the pavement in the same way today as you did several years back. No, not in the same way. I still have to pound it in a different way, but not like I had to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I mean, I'm still trying to get a show. What does that mean, get a show? I would love to have a TV show. Oh, a TV show. Yeah, I would love to have some kind of TV show. Um, I don't know if it would be completely scripted. I would love something that's almost like in between reality scripted. Mm -hmm. I would love to, I really want to combine the whole spirituality stuff with comedy because Mm -hmm. that's, People are waking up more and more into the spiritual stuff. So what are you, a Zen Buddhist now? I wouldn't call myself a Buddhist. I would just say spiritual, although that still is like, well, what does spiritual mean? Mm -hmm. I would say I'm just a truth seeker. And somebody who's calmed down in the years since you you would freak out easily? Yeah, but what the funny thing is, yes, I'm calmer, but the way that you get calmer is by accepting your inner chaos. Hmm. And that's what people don't realize is I'm more wild than Mm -hmm. I've ever been, Mm -hmm. but calmer because of it. Whereas when I was that, you know, engaged art teacher, I was, even though I seemed like I was more stable and together on the outside, I was going nuts on the inside with obsessive thoughts and feelings. And now- You've shed that? Yeah. And I go to these conscious dance parties. Um, I just really try to express parts of myself without- you know, even if I know someone's going to maybe judge me or whatever, I try really hard to set an example of let's just be honest. Let's mm-hmm. just start to saying the weird things we do and what we're into and what we're really thinking. And you feel people can relate to that? Absolutely. Does that surprise you? No, I think it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. That's why I actually love someone like Amy Schumer because, you know, she's very blunt, but she is saying what a lot of people think. And I love that sh- a lot of her her sketches now are really political based, like Mm anti-gun and just sexuality and all sorts of things like that. So I think people are actually really thirsty for truth speakers. How have you married your career with being a single mom? Um, Well, what I, that's an interesting term, married it, because it used to feel a lot more separated. Like I was a mom on the days I didn't do comedy. And then it almost felt like, not that I didn't have a kid on the days I did, but it was like, now I'm single. It was just a weird thing. I would say I really make sure to take off on the school nights that I have my son because I really want to be you there for him. Obviously. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So I really just want to be present, as present as I can be when I have Shane. That's mm-hmm. my son. So sometimes he does come with me to comedy shows on the weekends. Mm-hmm. I try How not. How old is he? He's nine, but he's been going with me since he was five. So, so he's a sophisticated nine-year-old, huh? He he probably knows a bit more than he should. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. But he's so grounded. He's actually, like I said to him the, the other day, I was like, Shane, the system's broken. Don't be a sheep. And he goes, sheep are cute. You know? <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> but he gets what I'm saying, and he's just kind of messing with me. Like, sheep are cute. What are you talking about? I'm like, oh, man, sheep are cute, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. So he just kind of keeps me grounded, but... He does know, he has seen a lot more than the average nine-year-old, but he doesn't act out with it. Mm -hmm. He's oddly um, grounded considering. He's just kind of filing it in a way. Who knows? I mean, I'm sure he'll have his journey just like the rest of us of Mm -hmm. dealing with like, oh, man, my mom had a podcast where she talked about her sex life. Gross, you know? Mm -hmm. Sure, sure. But yeah, he's just amazing. And I have such a good connection with him. And I try to express to him how much he means to me and what I see in him and that he can come to me for anything, even if he thinks I'm being a bitch. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm like, don't call me a bitch. But like, 
please come to me when you feel like I'm not being fair. Mm-hmm. I will listen to you. It doesn't mean I'll, I'll agree, but I want to let him know that I he's a person to me. I don't want, yes, I'm his mother and there needs to be boundaries, but I have no desire in overpowering him in a way where I don't listen to his concerns. So you feel, as we kind of wrap up this conversation, that you're in a good place in your life? Are you where you want to be? I mean, yes and no. I'm working on being happy with where I'm at now. Mm-hmm. and that's, Working on it. That's interesting. Because, yeah, because, well, that's, I think, where we're all supposed to be, no matter mm-hmm. what place you're in in your life. Because we're works in progress. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and if you keep trying to jump ahead to 10 pages ahead in your story, you're never going to be able to enjoy life because mm-hmm. you get used to that cycle, that energetic, oh, I'll be happy when dot, dot, dot. So I do think I'm in the best place I've ever been in in my life, and I'm sure I'm going to keep growing and healing But I just want to – I'm trying to learn to appreciate me and my wholeness in this exact moment. Well, that's a hard thing to do. But it sounds like you have a pretty decent handle on that and that you did from a while ago, that you brought that with you. Yeah, I think so. And I have a lot lot more support than I did as a child. You know, I have therapists, spiritual healers, Mm -hmm. really sensitive friends. That you knew how to go out and take care of yourself. Yes. On on so many levels, right? Yes. That you can look back and you can kind of, you know, strut your stuff and feel really good about who Kate Wolf is. Yeah. I'm getting there. There are some days where I don't feel so good about myself. Well, you're also young. You can look down the road and you can feel very good about what's ahead, correct? Yeah, absolutely. You think you'll get that TV show? I do. And if I don't, I think I'll get something that's even more meant for me. Would you like to do movies, by the way? Have you ever thought about that? I wrote a movie script last summer. Oh, funny, I should ask. Uh (laughs) So Uh I'm hoping that that gets made at some point. So there's many layers to you. It's not just only about stand-up. Yeah, no, lots of layers. And I'm sure I'm going to keep uncovering. Who knows what I'll be wanting to do in 20 years. Well, then you'll have to get back to us well before that, okay, (laughs) and touch base. Yeah. Well, Kate, well, thanks so much for joining me today and sharing um, your life and your story. And I thought it was a really interesting conversation. Thank you for having me. Join us for another edition of Conversations with Creative Women. And if you know a creative woman who you think we should talk to, go to our website, sandykleinshow.com. We'll